On this episode of the Ball Talk Pod, Angelo Carriero of ESPN Radio Lexington joined the show to discuss the NBA Finals, the Kentucky football team's loss to Auburn, and Chris Mack's comments on Coach Cal. This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Ball Talk Pod. As always, this is your host, Evan Kinter, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Angelo Carriero of ESPN Radio Lexington. Angelo, thanks for joining me today. Man, I'm always happy when you have me on, man. I appreciate you letting me come on your podcast. Okay, so we talked about this the other day over Twitter, but it seems like my show can't go on without having you on at least once a year. So uh, I'm glad to have you yeah, on again. I mean, like, I hope so. <laughs> All right, so last night, I, you know, I'm super excited about this. I'm a huge Laker guy. So my Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Miami Heat 116-98, to and we were led by Anthony Davis's 34 points and LeBron James's near triple-double with 25-13-9. and nine. Angelo, what did you think about last night's game? Well, yeah, if anybody doesn't know you're a Lakers guy, then they, <laughs> they obviously ain't been paying attention. Yeah. You're probably the biggest Laker, other than my friend John, you're the biggest Lakers homer I know. So that might <laughs> shock you that there's one other person that might love the Lakers That does shock you. me. <laughs> uh, that is crazy. Um, let, me, let me see. First, I guess the first place that I want to start is that uh, a lot of people are putting – the game on Miami's injuries and while I do agree that the injuries obviously played a factor into the outcome of the game I don't think that should do anything to dilute like what the Lakers did last night Mm -hmm. I think their shooting has been as good as it's been in the bubble and in fact I think they uh, tied their franchise record for threes and a half with 11 in the first half I think they hit actually 13 they broke it with 13 yeah okay they broke it Yeah, yeah exactly they obviously kind of maybe maybe figured out their shooting woes, if even for a night, which gives them an incredible advantage going up 1-0. And I know that that's not the end-all, be-all. I mean, look at the Lakers' uh, first two series. They went down after the first game and then won in five. And then, you know, uh, the Nuggets, of course, didn't really stand a chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, to talk specifically about the game, there were a couple takeaways, but my biggest takeaway is without Bam Adebayo, who's doubtful for Game 2, there is absolutely zero chance that Miami wins the series. Yeah. Because what they proved is that without Bam, they don't have a big man. And they've refused to put Myers Leonard out there last night. Kelly Olynyk is just – I mean, it's weird how today's game's going smaller, yet Olynyk can't really play the five, which is mm-hmm. a really odd conundrum. Uh, that Miami has, uh, they if Bam misses more than game two, uh, in which I fully expect, and now obviously Miami could switch it up and go small and maybe try to shoot the lights out, uh, very similar to you know what Houston did in game one. But honestly, uh, they can't go on without him just because they don't have depth. No. Uh, I think that showed uh, when not only when Bam left, but I think especially when you saw at the end of the first quarter, when I thought Miami got to this uh, out to this torrid start, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a long night for the Lakers. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, Frank Vogel brought in LeBron James to play with Anthony Davis, the Heat's backups, and it was uh, not fair yeah. because of how much better LeBron and AD were. And 
with Dwight Howard, who I hope everybody can put aside that, yeah, he's not the same guy he was in Orlando or maybe even in Houston, that he is still a really, really good basketball player, um, even though that I know they had to take him out at one point. I think that now that the size disparity has happened, I think that they can maybe probably uh, manipulate that lack of uh, size that my has. We'll see how that comes on the defensive end with switches and whatnot. But uh, I, I, I just believe that without without Bam there to even bother AD or switch out onto LeBron if he needs to, I don't I don't see this being very competitive. It's it's obvious how important Bam is to the Heat. Yeah, and I think another thing, Goran Dragic has been their leading scorer in the playoffs so far, and uh, his situations, from what it seems like, is a lot worse than what Bam's is right now. I know that Bam's listed as doubtful, but I, I still think there's a decent chance he plays in Game 2. And w- There's been some reports on the same injury that Drogic had and that Drog- um, Joe Johnson had the same thing in 2013 when they were going up against the Bulls. And he was able to play when they had a he had an injection before every game. So we'll see if Drogic is able to do that and the Heat are able to go that route. But yeah, it, anything Drogic not a hundred percent and Bam not a hundred percent, it's just not going to be good for the Heat, especially against this Laker team. I mean, the Lakers are just too big. Bam's their big man, and he's just six nine. And on the bench, they don't have a whole lot of size either. They're Kelly Olynyk, and as you've seen. From his college record, he's one of the top ten scorers in NCAA history. Uh, not much defense being played by him, so um, and that's what you need against. Wait, the, did you say that Kelly Olynyk is a top ten scorer in NCAA history? I'm pretty sure he is. Wow, I didn't. I'm gonna look that. it up. I honestly didn't realize that. That's amazing. I'm pretty sure he's like eighth. Him and Doug McDermott are Damn. two of the top. Did you know McDermott <laughs> was? That's. That's crazy. Yeah, I knew someone recently uh, had gone up that list. And, yeah, McDermott sounds about right. Um, and I know – I think J.J. Redick was climbing up there for a minute. But uh, to your point on, uh, on the on the injury situation, well, well more, more or less, what I think is so crucial, and this was a point that I wanted to make uh, before – if you were going to move on before you do, is that I truly think that this game one is an encapsulation of just game one. Like, mm-hmm. I think games two through seven – uh, are their own entities because I think a lot of people watched what happened uh, in game one and thought oh the Lakers are just going to like destroy the heat and I don't think that's the case I think that was a worst case scenario game for Miami uh, I don't think you're going to get another negative 35 in the plus minus for Tyler Hero going forward I do think that Miami even without Adebayo the one way they can win is that I think they proved last night, especially in the first quarter, with the way that Jay Crowder was hitting his threes. Jimmy Butler went to the corner to make threes. Duncan Robinson is obviously is always a threat from three. I think that they showed that if the Lakers have a down scoring night, as good as AD is in the paint, if Bam, even like you said, can play out there 75%, I think that it will be a longer series, simply because I think that Miami's proven that they can be the consistently the best shooting t- team uh, compared to the Lakers, who are wildly inconsistent from night to night on where their threes are going to come from. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong on that. Uh, uh, Olenek only averaged um, nine points a game for this college career. I don't know. I always thought that Olenek was a top ten. <laughs> I must have got him and McDermott I, messed up. I think you must have. I, I thought that that sounded a little strange. Or I was even like, was Adam Morrison that raw? And then I was like, ah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know where I got I mean, that we, from. We've all been there. Um, but – yeah, I, I just think the Lakers, and 
an interesting thing for me is that I don't think LeBron's really turned it up yet, and I don't think he's really had to. Like I think this is no I'm almost regular agree. season LeBron. LeBron. Le- LeBron is playing, and this is how good LeBron James is contextually. People, people that discredit LeBron, like LeBron is choosing to play how he wants to play. That's how good LeBron James is. Yeah, he can be the player he wants to be. So for Miami to be so, I'm not. Gonna, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but so little of a threat that LeBron James can choose the style of play. Like remember game 2018 against Golden State. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a choice. That man had to put up 51, 8, and 8 for them to even have a chance in that game, and they still lost. Like, yeah. that's, that's LeBron James. Like, when he knows he has to do it, he has to go to nuclear mode where, like, I'm the best scorer on the planet, like, type of mode. LeBron is choosing to be Michael – or, excuse me, LeBron is choosing to be Magic Johnson to Anthony Davis's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. That's what he's choosing to do. He's like, I'll get assists, I'll set up the offense, I'll get rebounds, I'll score from time to time. But I'm feeding you, and I'm giving you the best position to succeed. And that's why Davis put up, what was it, like 34, 9, and 5 or something yeah, like that? It's, it's I, I don't crazy. Have exact stats he put up. But that's what he's choosing to do. If he wants to go from Magic to Michael, he, he can and he will if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and – I, something interesting I was about to talk about um, the Lakers the postseason minutes has been crazy it, LeBron's playing less minutes in the postseason than he is in the regular season and that's just oh that's just how God. how dominant the Lakers have been this postseason and last night I mean you're going to expect LeBron and Davis to be over 40 probably around 42 minutes a night in the finals uh, Davis was at 38 minutes and LeBron was at 36 and and LeBron played most of the fourth quarter, so just just seeing that and how handily the Lakers took care of the Heat, it just I just I, I don't see this game going past five. Uh, if I was betting, I would say Lakers in four. I, I before the series, I'd said Lakers in five or six, but if the Lakers win Game One, it's I think it's four, and so I. I, I well, well, I guess the only thing that I would say to that in response is that the injuries are going to skew that a little bit if Gordon has to miss time, if Bam has to miss time, and if they're like noticeably hobbled. But again, I, I do think that Miami has some fight in them. I don't think they're going to go out uh, without swinging. Uh, but I, after game one, and again, I'm trying not to overreact, but more or less it's just the injuries. I don't see a world – with an unhealthy Bam, an unhealthy Goran, and a hobbled Jimmy Butler that they haven't. I just don't see it. My Like, the LA's too healthy and too good. Yeah. Um, I know we've seen a lot of this on Twitter, and I'm sure you've seen it, but there's a lot of people talking about being an asterisk to this championship. Do you think that's the case? Do you think there's a – and is would you think that would still be the case if the Heat won, or is it if just the Lakers win the championship? It's it's absolutely if the Lakers win the championship. I think it's really unfair. I think a lot comes from LeBron James' hate. And the reason why I say that is because if the Clippers and Bucks played in the championship like everybody thought, I truly believe no one would bat an eye to this being an asterisk. The only reason why people are saying the asterisk now that the Lakers have made the finals, now that they're playing the Heat and not the Bucks, now – they are all saying that because it's a big and I I know people think I'm a Michael Jordan hater and I'm not I just try to be realistic about stuff it's because of the Michael Jordan worship and it's 
LeBron's going to get a fourth title, but it's in a bubble, but it's against the Miami Heat. They're not Giannis. They're hurt. And it's just, it's just petty because if Giannis won his first title, it would be or, or against Kawhi or Kawhi did it against Giannis or the, the Clippers went through the Lakers, the narrative would be completely different. Exactly. But because LeBron James and Anthony Davis teamed up in a manner people don't see traditional and they're facing a team that is obviously less talented and that the Lakers are favored, it is just a big uh, – it's just a rain on the Lakers parade – and as annoying as I know Lakers fans can be on Twitter, and, you, and you're one of my friends, <laughs> I have multiple Lakers friends on Twitter, as annoying as you all can be, there's no reason that you all and LeBron James and Laker Nation doesn't deserve to have this. I mean, LeBron James is going up against COVID, and if he wins the title, like he beats COVID for the championship. I mean, come on. Like, what, like what, more, of a, what more of a statement for a championship do you want? Yeah, and I'm just going to put it out there. Um if they win in the bubble, it's not going to hurt me any less. I'm still going to get, go absolutely crazy. Uh, I'll be unbearable on Twitter for probably two to three months um, until the next championship run. So I'm just going to put that out there. If if and when we win, it's going to be awesome for me. So um, All right. I, 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 I already can't have wait. to put up with regular you. I can't <laughs> imagine NBA champion Evan Ginter. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've been – I mean, I'm not really old. I, I'm just 18, my first year of college. So, um, And I was – I started really liking the NBA and the Lakers at the end of Kobe's career. So I wasn't really able to see a lot of good basketball. So this year has definitely been one of the coolest things for me. I was – in the last three years, last three to four years, I would get absolutely worked up over 21-win teams when they – get beat at the buzzer and then it it just haunt me for the rest of the day and I'd be in a bad mood so actually having this has been <laughs> it's been a definitely a change for me um but yeah I, well, I just you better thank LeBron James for that I, I'm very thankful for LeBron James um and I don't think the Lakers I don't think if the um even if Bam and Drogic had played and it didn't get hurt I don't think that he'd had a chance in game two because the Lakers are wearing their Black Mama jerseys, and we all know that they do not lose in those. So that's that pretty much gives it 2-0. Um, uh, who do you think – and I don't mean to ask you the questions. I know I'm coming on your podcast, but do you think that uh, – is there any chance that AD wins the finals MVP after game one? I played the NBA game on my phone, and you had to predict who the finals MVP was, and I picked Davis. I said it before – I think – if I hadn't done a podcast right before the finals, but if I'd had one, I would have said that I think that Davis is going to win finals MVP. I, well, actually, I think Davis will deserve finals MVP. I don't know if he'll get it or not because I don't know if the no, voters that's what will. I'm asking you. I'm asking you, will he get it? Uh, will he? I think he should, but I'm going to say he doesn't get it. Okay. It'll be really interesting to see LeBron's mentality – because I think we noticed all season that he has been very much a servant to Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. He has very much uh, uh, like seceded his main scoring, his spotlight, so Davis could be one of the top five players in the league. Uh, but you saw what happened at the end of game five where he took the ball down the stretch and he just murdered the Nuggets. Yep. And I, I think that um, we will see in a closeout game if LeBron's nuclear, he's winning finals MVP. 
But if he lets Davis, like, score 38, 40 points and he has, like, 22, 10, and 11 or something, like a regular triple-double, which is weird to say, I, I think Anthony Davis will win it then. I think it's up to LeBron. If, if he has a closeout game and he goes nuclear, he wins. If he lets Davis go nuclear, Davis wins. I think LeBron is still the guy that's going to etch the painting of his finals MVP. So it'll be interesting to see what he chooses to do. Yeah, I, I just don't see LeBron having the go, like, nuclear mode and just take out everybody putting up like his stats he did against the Warriors 38 16 12 oh I, goodness, I don't yeah I don't see that happening those 51 the 51 point game I, I don't see that happening in this series the Heat aren't the Warriors so I don't think that LeBron really has to turn it up that much he can really rely on Davis to do a lot of the heavy lifting um and I'm okay with it if they're still winning now if it's a situation where uh, Danny Green and KCP don't have it on. Um, the the Heat are doubling Davis, and LeBron has to go off. Then I think then LeBron will turn it up, and I, we could see some really high thirty point games and maybe a forty point game. So um, I, I think that uh, the Lakers will um, do well regardless of what LeBron decides to do. But I'm curious to see what is going to happen. Um, now we're going to transfer over. Um, talking a little bit about Chris Mack, uh, University of Louisville's basketball head coach. He posted a video on Twitter the other day. He called out Coach Cal in Kentucky. Um, the funniest part for me was he uh, started the video out with saying, hello, Cards fan, this is your fearless leader, Coach Mack, which I thought was extremely cringy. Um, I don't know how you can <laughs> to do that on a video and then post it. But um, I really lost a lot of respect for Coach Mack on this. Um, I, I really liked him when he was at Xavier, and I think he's done a good job at Louisville so far. Um, and, and then you saw Coach Cal respond uh, just like a day later with a tweet saying, see you December 12th, can't wait. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on what Chris Mack had to say and if you thought that that was a weak response by Cal. Aye, aye, aye. Chris Mack, man, I I was I'm in the same boat as you. I thought he did a really good job at Louisville, and I was like, man, this program's going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he's putting on for, or if he thinks that Cardinals fans are going to view this as some super heroic, like we'll go against the odds against this cow in this front. Because he said we'll bow down to what did he call cow? Like something like, he, he called Kentucky or cow something to where. He kept, saying, painted Louisville. he kept what saying he kept saying like um yeah we'll do whatever coach Cal wants you guys know I do whatever's best for coach Cal right you know that he kept oh, saying yeah, that Oh yeah that stuff Oh man which how, I didn't like that at all How ridiculous is that guy I mean he's Has he even I beat UK yet to, to paint it like this he Go ahead I said has he even beat UK yet I don't think it's I don't think he's beating the cats yet no, I don't think he has. And I, he painted himself as like an underdog almost, but like very weirdly, it was a, it was, it was, it's, it, it, I don't know how to explain it other than he tried to look like an underdog and, but try to look strong, but instead he looked goofy and weak and weird. Like I, did, I don't know what he thought he was going to get out of it. The first thing in, in period was that he was crying about having to play at uh, the the Yum Center 
like without fans, but then going to Rupp and playing in front of all these fans and instead doing a neutral site game. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out, like, did you want to do neutral sites two years in a row? Did you want, like, he, he even tried to reference how great Coach Stoops was by letting the game go back to Louisville uh, next year instead of coming home to Kentucky. No, duh, they're not playing a game this year. That's yeah. the difference. That game was taken off of the schedule. It's not being played there, whereas this game will still be played uh, hypothetically at – I keep wanting to say Freedom Hall – at uh, the Young Center. So he's, he's essentially just crying that it's like – he just looks like he folds his arms and he stomps his foot and goes, it's not fair. And then when Cal's like, uh, yeah, but like – this is what we have to do. You have a home game. You can host it. We're going to come play you. And then next year you're going to come back here, which again, Mac was saying all these fans are going to be here in 2021. Well, guess what? The real reality is we don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. We don't know what COVID is going to look like in 2021. We don't know what anything's going to look like in the future. So after he didn't get his way, he tried to troll Cal and Cal looked strong. He was like, see you then. Because yeah. co- Chris Mack looked goofy. And Cal can just be all right, buddy. Now he's made Cal shitless, and now Cal's going to blow him out of the building. Yeah, Cal does that. Cal's Cal's very vengeful. Cal, like for all the good qualities Cal has, he has some negative qualities, and one of them that will work to Kentucky's favor is when you are on the ire of his side, he will go out of his way to like not either a give you the time of day or b blow you out of the building, and that's what he's decided to do. Yeah. That's what he just decided to do, he's going to he's going to blow. Uh, Mac out of the building, and that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, and I don't think that this really was the year for um, Chris Mack to do that. I don't think Louisville's going to be very good this year. They lost their best player, uh, David Nora. I think that it is David Nora, right? Jordan Nora. Jordan, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, Jordan Nora. David Johnson's returning for his sophomore year, a kid that I covered yeah. uh, in the state tournament when they won the, the, the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm, but uh, Nora's was a very good player, and he's been on a lot of people's NBA draft writers. I know he was last year. Um, I've not really kept up a lot with the uh, NBA draft stuff so far. It's just been so weird, so I've not really been looking a lot into I've it. I've seen him listed as like a second-round pick a mm-hmm. lot of places. Well, he was projected as a first-rounder last year or really early second. Yeah, so um it definitely that really hurts them losing uh, Nora. Um, and we'll see what Louisville's team looks like next year, but – I don't think uh, Max really in the position to be calling out Coach Cal whenever his team's not going to be really able to compete with him this year, especially if um, uh, they can get Oliver Saar uh, get his eligibility figured out. So I, I don't think that uh, Mac really is looking smart by doing that. So we'll see how it goes up. But I know a lot of UK fans can't wait for that game. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, bad UK crushes Louisville. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. And then we saw going into football, um, waited so long. I I don't know about you, but I, I personally like UK football way more than I like UK basketball. Um, but Yeah, fin- finally I meet a brethren of the same ilk. I grew up on UK football, yeah. and as much as – so let me tell you a story right here real quick before. And, I, I, again, I don't mean to interrupt you. That's no I'm problem. sorry if I am in, uh, in ways. Um, I grew up in the height of my, like, childhood and a teenage, where it really shapes you as a fan. 
Kentucky had Tubby Smith and Billy Gillespie, and all I heard was screaming, screaming, screaming about, you know, like being my, my, my family getting all mad at the games and stuff, and it took a lot of the joy out of it, whereas the football team had all of these historic upsets uh, starting with against Matt Stafford in Georgia in 2007, and I was at the Louisville LSU uh, games that year, the upsets. I was at the Tennessee four-overtime game. Uh, I was at the Music City Bowl against Clemson and Florida State and all those. So, like, I was I was ingrained and indoctrinated into UK football fandom, which is just so unfortunate. That's like being – which which I know that's a bad thing to say, but that's like being an Alabama – like being an Alabama fan and liking the basketball team more. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. man, if only I could have really gotten into the into the good one. But, but uh, no, I, I, I absolutely – and even though I'm a member of the media and I try to, you know, be unbiased, well, you know what? I grew up a Kentucky fan. I can separate that stuff when it comes to professionalism. But no, like at my core, I've got a, and I'll have to show you this after the podcast, I've got a shirt that is signed by the entire 2007 UK football team. That's awesome. But, yeah. Yeah, but I just really, I mean, you never know what you're going to get from UK football. I mean, you don't know if they're going to be a, a seven-win team where they could be a fluke and just win like three or four games. But, I mean, now with Coach Stoops, it's really been consistent. He's been uh, getting better every single year. Um, and he just done a great job at UK. So I just really enjoyed the football. Um, but, you know, with the basketball team, the is all the legacy and how historic UK's basketball program is, I mean, they're going to be good every year. Uh, even if it's not good for UK standards, they're probably still going to win the SEC. You're probably still going to get to Sweet 16. So, I mean, just UK football, the excitement and the and just like not knowing what you're going to get, I think that's part of the fun part to me. And then uh, always consider the underdog, and I've always liked that, especially. Well, I know the Lakers historic, historically aren't underdogs, but uh, whenever I really started watching them, they were considered underdogs. So I've really liked that. Uh, but I just I just can't wait for this UK football season to uh, keep on going. I actually wasn't able to watch the first game. I was working, but I had it on the radio. So uh, I don't I don't know a ton about this game. I've just read some stuff. But um, we lost the first game of the season to number eight Auburn, thirteen to twenty nine Alabama. Yeah, uh, and lost a turnover battle three to nothing, which really hurt the Cats. They had a really good first half, but just couldn't just couldn't get it done in the second half. Angelo, what do you think about the cat performance? And do you think that th- how much you think of this was rust or just bad decision making? Um, I almost have to ask you to be more specific because I have a lot of takes coming from that game. If if you're asking me, are you kind of asking me why the cats lost? Like, what was the biggest reason for the loss? Yeah. Well, it's Terry's turnovers yeah. is what it was. I mean, I cannot be more plain and simple. If you look at the stat sheet, and I don't even have to use the stat sheet, but I'll preface it with this so you know I'm not just throwing BS at the wall. Uh, Kentucky had more first downs than Auburn. They had a higher third down efficiency than Auburn. They had more pad yards and more rushing yards and a lopsided time of possession. So what is, how does a team that leads in all those categories lose? It's because they had uh, three turnovers to zero, and really it's the first two 
because the third one was a fumble on a on a drive where it was just like if we if if we score here and then get the two point conversion and then get the onside kick then score and get the two points so that 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 turnover doesn't really count as much. Um, I think that that having turnovers is not an end all be all unless they are in situations that you inherently cannot turn the ball over. And for me, Terry Wilson did not play terribly in that game outside of those two plays. Mm -hmm. But those two plays that he did it ended up being the two biggest plays of the football game. And when that's the case, you have to put – you can't – a lot of people – and I, I'm going to say this before I continue. A lot of people get upset that people are criticizing Wilson and that, that you're – that, oh, either A, you're not a true fan, which I'm not. Like, this is – I have to do this for uh, from an analytical standpoint or, or a critical standpoint. I, I, I do. And on the other hand, it's like, oh, it's the first game. you got to give him time. Terry wasn't rusty. Terry wasn't bad. It's that he does this from time to time – and even though he's capable of the big play, and I'm not criticizing him as a kid, he makes the worst turnovers at the worst possible moment. For an example, when Chris Rodriguez didn't get in the end zone, which I agree should have been a touchdown, when you're at goal line with 20 seconds left, 13 seconds left, or however much time was on the clock, I, I don't remember specifically, he rolls out to the right, and your options are A, tuck it, get down, you know, spike the ball, whatever, B, throw it out of the end zone. C, well, which should be A, is throw a touchdown. But D, you cannot throw an interception. When you have all those other options on the board, you cannot turn the ball over. And he threw a pop-up into the middle of the end zone. Yeah. That was just easy pickets for Auburn. And that touchdown wasn't called back because of targeting, which I don't care how right of a call it was. It was a makeup call. Uh, that would have been a 14-point swing in a game where Kentucky was down by one. Yeah. And Kentucky could have kicked the field goal gun in at 10-8 or whatever, but that was a scoring possession at the one-yard line, the one-inch line, that Kentucky lost at the end of the half. It could have swung the game. So at least Kentucky was just down by one. But you fast forward to the beginning of the fourth quarter, and Terry on third and five, deep in Auburn territory, down two points. It was 15-13 at that point, down two points. So third and five, Terry tries to make a play, which I don't blame him for doing. I mean, but you cannot turn the ball over there. Like, if you punt, that's fine. You can't turn the ball over. And like Coach Stoops, Coach Stoops said in the press conferences, the ball popped off of Terry's knee or someone's knee. I believe he meant Terry. Terry had an unforced fumble. An Auburn player didn't make a great play. He just coughed up the ball. Auburn got the ball in the territory, scored a touchdown, and they're looking back. Mm -hmm. So – it's not that I think Terry's a, a, a bad quarterback per se or a bad football player, and I still think that he should get playing time. But when you when when he has it's it's seeming to be like there are these moments where he has these huge turnovers in the worst spot. I just I just don't under I just don't you know, it, it could have just been one bad game, sure. Mm -hmm. But I thought Kentucky played relatively well outside of those two turnovers, and they were just huge turnovers. And you talked a little about the stat. You see how much the turnovers really come into effect, and especially whenever um, they're just really unforced. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the Ole Miss game will look a little bit better, and I hope that they can really get back to what we saw a couple years ago with Terry Wilson at the helm. And, and, 
I know I talked I mentioned it earlier when I was asking the question um, rust or bad decision making I do think that it was a little bit of both I didn't watch the game but just from some of the videos I've seen he just probably just a little bit rusty hasn't played in about two years so um, well it was about yeah the beginning of last year and then just the bad decision making he's got to get better on that so uh, we'll see how he does the rest of the season but with Joey Gatewood now uh, eligible we'll see how how much um, faith Coach Stoops has in Terry Wilson, but I think he's going to turn it around. He'll do well the rest of the season. What do you think about this weekend's game, and do you think they really match up well against Ole Miss? Uh, just real quick on, on what you said about uh, – from bad decision-making, I actually thought the coaching staff did really, good, really well with time management and whatnot. I think that uh, for the most part – uh, Coach Stoops played a very conservative game that played into Kentucky's favor because with that time of possession, it was a lot of, in the first half of, uh, specifically, it was a lot of, we're going to run the ball, we're going to dink and dunk, we're going to get into your side of the field, and if you go three and out, then you don't get the ball back for another eight, seven, eight, nine minutes. Yeah. And I think that's a strategy that's really effective because Bo Nix is turnover prone. And I've, I just thought that was a really good strategy and Coach Stoops pointed out that at the end, of, at the beginning of the second half, they started off flat and offensively. That kind of flat lined them uh, for the most part. But uh, going on to this weekend, uh, from what I've heard, I, I haven't, I haven't got, dove into the research yet. By the time that you hear this recording, and uh, I have the UK game day pregame show on ESPN Sports Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five M at uh, at two thirty on Saturday. Um, I will, I'll have all the notes uh, in front of me, but pretty much a friend of mine's a big Florida fan, and he watched the entire game of Florida Ole Miss, and he kind of uh, coached me up on some of the things that Ole Miss did, and apparently Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin, which is no surprise, is a very explosive offense. Uh, Matt Corral is a very impressive passer. They have another quarterback that they run on trick plays that has uh, that that's very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I think what I heard that, that we realized the most that Kentucky has is the favorite in this game is that he said that Ole Miss is like terrible at tackling. Okay. And when you have this offensive line and these running backs, um, which hopefully Cavasse smoke gets more than seven carries because no other wildcat was over four yards a carry against uh, Auburn and Cavasse was at eight point yet. He had the fourth most carries on the team mm-hmm. uh, behind Perry, AJ and Chris. So, Let's see if his carries go up. But essentially, is if Kentucky, like I think they will be, if they're able to run all over Ole Miss, then it's not going to be much of a game. Now, I think the secondary did uh, not play their best game against Auburn. Um, I, that's going to be something they're going to have to work out this week going into the Ole Miss game. But everything else, I think, favors Kentucky. So uh, with that run game, with the, t- with the controlling the, the clock, you just have to force Ole Miss into some decisions, and then, like like I said, against Auburn, you kind of get to control the game. So right now, I think it's a pretty pretty in favorite of the Wildcats. Okay, and one more thing, Angelo. While we've been recording, there's some NBA news. Doc Rivers has just been hired as the new Philadelphia 76ers head coach. I'm not sure if you saw oh, that wow, yet. You're breaking so news to me. yeah. Uh, so what do you think about that move? I know. We saw how hopped the Clippers, how hopped up the Clippers were this year. I never really bought into it, but um, uh, clearly they thought that they were going to win the champ. I thought Lakers were going to win it. 
I had Lakers uh, all the way. Uh, you didn't buy into the Clippers at all, really. I, I bought into them being the, the Western Conference, like meeting us in the Conference Finals, but I didn't believe that they'd uh, beat okay. the Lakers. Well, at least, okay, as long as you say that, then fine. I'll, I'll let you slide on. Yeah, it. I didn't buy into them being the easily favorite. That's not what. That's what I'm trying to say. That's fair. But that's um. Fair. You saw that I guess Steve Ballmer and everybody expected them to beat the Lakers and and but and clearly they shouldn't have lost to Denver. I mean the Clippers were on paper the better basketball team, but they were three uh, one with the double digit lead. Yeah, I know game, uh, it's crazy. Five. But um, Denver just didn't give up uh, and just uh, really kept going at the Clippers. So uh, props to Denver, but the Clippers should have won that series. Um, just off the talent level they had. So, Doc Rivers gets a new situation in Philadelphia. He inherits Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and a good supporting cast. So, we'll see how that goes. But I don't really know if he moves the needle that much for him. Um, but we'll see how it goes. What do you think about this move? I'm glad you asked because I thought you were about to end it without me having uh, <laughs> no. a, a shot on this because I got to tell you, I think he's a bad fit for Philadelphia. And I think that he's been the most overrated coach in the NBA for years now. And it's not as much as that I don't think Doc Rivers is a good coach, because I do. Not that I don't think Doc Rivers has places where he can be good, because I do. But Philadelphia is not the place. Yeah. I, I see Philadelphia a lot like I did the, the Clippers. Not this version but the Blake CP3 Jordan Clippers, the Lob City Clippers, when Doc had this team that, and I get that the Warriors were strong in that, in that Western Conference at that time, and it's kind of hard to uh, beat them. But you're talking about a Clippers team that with uh, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin for years on end. And J.J. Reddick. And Jamal and JJ Reddick. And then you turn over and you get Lou Williams. Well, I don't know why I led with Lou Williams. Just going guard to center. But you get Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, uh, Montrez Harrell, Pat Bev, all those guys. That you win three playoff series in the seven years he was there. Yeah. You have some of – I would say that you had a top five most talented team six out of the seven, five out of the seven mm-hmm. of those years. You can't make – the Western Conference Finals even, and you had, like, two of the biggest collapses a decade. When when James Harden sitting the bench against the Rockets and Josh Smith, you know, wills the team past, the, past the, your team and the Clippers, and then uh, the Nuggets series, when you have Kawhi and Paul George, I felt like that he didn't have a great command of that situation. But what I'm saying is, is that, Unless he has Rajon Rondo, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and uh, Ray Allen, you know it hasn't been as easy for him. And as good of a coach as I could, I think he could be some places as more of like a, because I would say a talent manager. But we saw what happened in uh, in, in with the Clippers. But more or less, like what is he going to do that's special that unlocks Joel and being Vincent? Yeah. Because I don't see him as a Nick Nurse. I don't see him as an Eric Spolstra. I don't see him as a, a Kenny Atkinson, a guy that can take pieces and get the best out of them in a schematic way. I feel like he's more of the Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr ilk, where it's like you give him some you know good talent or talent that buys into him, 
and he gets the most out of them by keeping them in line, having the players respect him, to listen to him. But even then, you have to wonder, why couldn't he do that with Kawhi and Paul George up 3-1? Why couldn't he do it with CP3 and Blake? Um, so I, I guess they have an idea. I don't think he's a bad coach, again, like I said. I just think that this fit in Philly – what is he going to do special for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons that another coach needs? Um, that's why I was more excited to see D'Antoni there or why I was, where maybe a coach that has a little more, I guess, of a strategy going in. So we'll see. I could be dead wrong. I mean, everybody has a chance to be dead wrong. But off the offset, I just not – my, not my favorite uh, fit. But we'll see if he – if he gets the best out of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, then all of this is for naught. But if he – if he can't, then I don't see how this is going to work. I would have liked to see Dan Dan Tony with the 76ers, but I, I think that pretty, if you want to do that route, you pretty much need to trade Embiid and just run it with Simmons. Like, he'd be your God, number one player. So fun. That would have been like, if, get ben some shooters Simmons around with him. His own team under Dan Tony. Oh, no, my God. Man. Having Harris and Shake Milton and Josh Richardson and add some more shooters in. That would have been really fun to see, but yeah, you yeah. know what? A fun trade idea that I had before we go is is what you're talking about, like where to ship them. I thought it would have been really cool to see if if Embiid went out to Golden State and they got back some pieces from Golden State, whether that be Andrew Wiggins in the second pick or like uh, Wiggins and Draymond, and then send back Al Horford or something, and really get the ability to play smaller, play with space, play with defense, and just let Ben Simmons run the Mike D'Antoni rodeo because. If Ben Simmons got to run in a Mike D'Antoni offense, I think that kid could be an MVP, even mm-hmm. without the shooting. I think he would have turned him in yeah. to one of the most destructive players in the league. And you know how good he is defensively, so that would have been just – it would have been insane to see that. But um, I, and nuts. But I just think that – um, I don't know if that – that in theory that trade looks like it would be good, but I just don't think that the Andrew Wiggins contract and where he's at in his career – Plus the second pick, I don't think that's worth it for the 76ers. I don't really see no, many. You got to send Tobias Harris over or something. I don't know. Because <laughs> he has an awful. Oh well, yeah. Too, okay, yeah, I see what you're like, saying there. But yeah, I, I and it's interesting to see what the Clippers are going to do. It looks like they're probably going to go Tyron Lue. Um, don't know about the other positions. I know the Thunder have an open spot. The Pelicans, who I think they should be hiring Kenny Atkinson right now. I think he would be an absolute oh, great definitely. fit with them. And it's going to be interesting. And I don't get the Tyron Lue thing. Wasn't Tyron Lue on the staff in the first place for the Clippers? Yeah, but I just think that I they'd really fit in. not move the needle for me. Yeah, I don't, you, I don't think it moves. Did you know the... Phillips works for the Clippers? Yeah. You did? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, he works at like a TV analyst role mm-hmm. or something like that. I think he would be like an interesting coach for the Clips. But, yeah, anyways, con- continue. Sorry. Yeah, and there are just so many – Open positions in the league. It just it's going to be a really interesting off season. Uh, I think the Lakers have an awesome off season. Even though I'm huge Lakers and very biased, I think that they're going to have a pretty big off season. I think they're going to turn some heads from some of the things they're going to do. But who knows how it's going to go when it's going to start? So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. There's so much intrigue with the NBA right now, and I'm just go. I'm so glad that sports are back. It's awesome. So. Uh, Angelo, again, just thank you so much for coming on the show. I went a little bit over on my time, but I really appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Evan.
And you can get me at Angelo Media Lex on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Check out all my shows on balltalkpod.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all social media outlets.